Hello to all my 3-0 and Aggie fans, and thank you for tuning in to our Monday morning episode of the Sports Desk Podcast. We really appreciate you tuning in, and welcome back. Thank you for being here. Let's talk about Utah State's game in Air Force, an absolute thriller, an absolute bizarre game. It was a crazy game, really, really uncharacteristic, I think, for both teams. We'll get into that. We will also talk about a lot of other Mountain West things going on, a little bit of in-state stuff going on. Uh, the Mountain West the Mountain West was able to crack the top 25, and it may have been in a way you weren't expecting it. Fresno State did get the upset win against 13th-ranked UCLA, uh, at the time ranked 13th anyways, and, and did get into the top 25 there, ranked 22 right now. We'll talk about that game and everything else going on in the Mountain West between Fresno State... And the other team in the Mountain West getting a vote actually in the top 25. It's not Utah State. It's not Nevada. We'll talk about that later. Let's jump in and talk about that Utah State game. Like I said, it was it really was bizarre uh, from start to finish, quite honestly. Um, the final score of the game ended up being 49-45 to 45 for Utah State. Close one, obviously. A high-scoring game, obviously. High-scoring uh, particularly for Air Force, who breaks 40 for the first time for the season, and only the third time since the beginning of last season. They, they scored tor- uh, they scored 40, uh, or just once last season, and then once this season so far. So uh, a, a low-scoring Air Force team uh, forced to get on the board a lot more uh, than they usually do in a complete shootout with the Utah State Aggies, where the Aggies come away on top. So we did talk about last week, how Air Force has a tendency to win when they score first. And they score first pretty often. Uh, we talked about before this game, they were 7-0 and in the past 14 games where they score first. So they score first about 50% of the time. And out of those games, they rarely lose. In fact, until this game, which they did score first in, they didn't lose at all in a couple of years. So what happened? What changed? Well, Utah State was able to get you uh, get Air Force off their groove. Air Force was not able to uh, control the tempo of the game, which is a big thing that we talked about last week uh, as a key as a key for Air Force to win that game. Is they had to control the pace. They were not able to do so, so they ended up scoring first, which we talked about has been a great indicator for Air Force winning games, and they weren't able to do so. So as I mentioned, Air Force was able to get out and score first. They scored. Fast too. They scored early in the first quarter on their first drive, which Utah State has had a tendency to allow this year. They are going to have to address that at some point. I know it's worked out for the Aggies so far in two of their three games where they've actually allowed their opponent to score in their first drive twice this year out of three games. Washington State wasn't able to. Uh, Washington State did score first. Um, but they scored on a field goal, and it wasn't their first drive. And then North Dakota game two, the Fighting Hawks were able to punch if, punch one in, touchdown, first drive, and the Air Force Falcons were able to do the exact same thing week three. So it has worked out for Utah State so far, but not by uh, not in the prettiest of ways, and Utah State has had to come back from double-digit deficits in all three games. So definitely something they're going to have to address at some point. They have to start stopping the opponent on the first drive. They can't continue to give up touchdowns on the first drive. Or really, they, 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 have, to, they have to stop letting the opponent get so hot so early. 
Um, the fact that they've given up a touchdown to start the game two games in a row now is a little bit concerning. The final score is what the final score is. We have won three straight, but at some point they are going to have to address why why is the defense so slow to get started? Why are we giving up big plays early? And why have we given up a touchdown in the first drive two games in a row? Um, particularly one to an FCS team that we should have handled a lot better, and we did handle later in the game, but why were they able to score so easily so early? Blake Anderson is going to be asked that question a lot, um, so pay attention. He's going to have to answer that question at some point, and I expect that to be a talking point here in the next couple weeks um, or even in the next couple days leading into the Boise State game this weekend. Um, so so pay, t- pay attention to that. They're going to have to address that at some point. But uh, as I said, Air Force does get off to a great start. They score on their first drive, and they did so on a five-yard run from Micah Davis. Air Force is up 7-0, which, again, is not the start Utah State wanted. Uh, Utah State, like I said, they, they really wanted to try to dominate that first quarter, uh, which, as you're going to see, they didn't do. Uh, they wanted to prevent Air Force from scoring first, which they didn't do. And at this point, Air Force has exactly what they want. They scored first, and... Now, at this point, you would expect Air Force to slow the game down, control the tempo, keep the game running slow, low scoring, and keep the Aggies from, from running in a bunch of scores. That's not quite what happened. Utah State is unable to, to answer, and Air Force scores again. It wasn't a touchdown this time, but they were able to get down the field and kick a field goal, which now marks two weeks in a row where Utah State not only has allowed the opponent to score in their first drive, but it's now two weeks in a row where Utah State has allowed their opponent to score on their first two drives. And uh, obviously you remember last week was the North Dakota Fighting Hawks scoring two touchdowns on back-to-back opening drives. This this time Utah State was able to hold Air Force to a field goal, but it's still you still never want to go into a, into a football game, give up two scores immediately before you can get on the board. So at this point, it's a 10-0 game for the Air Force Falcons and Utah State gets one back. Logan Bonner marches the offense right up the field. Calvin Tyler Jr. runs in a touchdown, um, his first of the night. Before Air Force can respond to that, Utah State actually punches in one more. Uh, so their first touchdown, to cut the lead to three, seven to ten, they score a second touchdown off a of Brandon Bowling pass from Logan Bonner. But here's where it starts to get interesting, and th- this is where the game just starts to come off the rails and just get really interesting Utah State instead of going taking a four-point lead um, 14 to 10 they get their extra point blocked by the Air Force Falcons Um, and it starts off a weirdly and it starts off a bizarre game um, from that point on so Utah State now 13 to 10 uh, with the lead and they kick an onside kick and they don't recover it so a gutsy play call from the Utah State Aggies leading to a Great field position for the Air Force Falcons, who are then able to convert that to a touchdown. Uh, That's not exactly what you wanted to see. That's not the result you wanted from an onside kick. I personally love the call still. It's easy for me to say that after the game, where we win the game. Um, But I love it. I love that this coaching staff is willing to mix things up. They run two quarterbacks. They kick onside kicks. They go for it on fourth down. They go for it on fourth down a lot. I love the play calling of this team. It's a lot of fun it's really entertaining and it seems to be working it works for this team it seems to be in one way or another efficient and works pretty well so they do you know it doesn't work every time that's that's part of the game and in this case it doesn't work out you give up bad field position 
it leads to a touchdown. So now Utah State down four again, 13 to 17, and Air Force scores another touchdown. And Air Force at times, and this right here was certainly one of those times, seemed able to move the ball and score almost at will. And so this is one of those times, again, for the second time in the game, uh, Air Force scores twice unanswered to go into halftime Utah State down 13 to 24. So Utah State down at the half for the for, for the third time this season. Um, actually, Utah State did uh, set, set a school record this week. They have now come back from double-digit deficits in three consecutive games, which is a school record. Not really a trend I would love to see continue, but you know what? The final score is what matters. The score at halftime is not. So in the third quarter, Utah State comes out, scores first. Justin McGriff, his first touchdown catch of the season, a 24-yard pass from Logan Bonner to bring the score to 20-24. to 24. Utah State starts to look like they are rolling, and at this point, Logan Bonner gets hit pretty hard from behind. Um, it was not a penalty. It was not ruled a penalty. Uh, it was certainly a play that could have gone either way. Logan Bonner had thrown the ball, did not have the ball in his hand on this touchdown pass to Justin McGriff and took a hard, hard hit from one of the uh, one of the players uh, on Air Force. Comes in from behind, uh, completely, uh, uh, completely on Logan Bonner's blind side. And like I said, he didn't have the ball anymore. Uh, it was certainly a call. It could have gone either way. There were a lot of people um, on Twitter and and you know that were running the broadcast that that thought that that should have been a late hit on on the Falcons. It wasn't called. So uh, Justin McGriff does catch a pass from Logan Bonner. However, Logan Bonner did look to be uh, in a lot of pain um, on on that on that connection to to Justin McGriff after the hit. So twenty to twenty four, uh, Utah State. Logan Bonner. Um, comes off the field looks uh, looks to be in pain Utah State gives it back over to Air Force Air Force is able to score a touchdown because that it becomes the name of the game at this point it becomes a total shootout you could kind of see at the beginning um, in the first quarter and then in the second quarter uh, where Utah State and Air Force just started trading scores it, it kind of felt like it really at the at the beginning, but at this point, it really becomes a shootout, which is not a style of play the Air Force is used to and comfortable with. It's not something they run. We've talked about it before on the show. Um, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty well known with Air Force. Their style of play is to take a lead and sit on it. Utah State did not let that happen tonight, and Air Force answered back really, really well. This was a really well coached game, I think, on both sides, being able to adjust to. Uh, really just the chaos that was happening on the field. It was it was really, really wild. Um so at this point Air Force does does score. Utah State unable to uh unable to take the lead, cuts it to four before Air Force scores, um, brings the score to twenty to thirty one. And at this point Andrew Peasley does take over for the Aggies. Logan Bonner uh did return later in the game, but Andrew Peasley uh comes in at this point. Now I saw this coming regardless. There was there was really not a likely scenario in which Andrew Peasley spent this entire game on the bench. That's not going to happen in this entire season. I really I really believe that. I've said it really for uh, since the beginning of the season at this point. Andrew Peasley will play a significant role on this football team, even if Logan Bonner is the starter. Now, next week, 
Blake Anderson has a very difficult decision ahead of him because Andrew Peasley came in for Logan Bonner and played out of his mind. And Utah State is then able to um, able to answer back Andrew Peasley to Carson Terrell for his first touchdown pe- uh, catch of the season. Um, Five-yard pass from Andrew Peasley to bring the score to 27-31. to 31. And then before the Falcons can respond to that, Andrew Peasley to Brandon Bowling, 37-yard pass, a absolute dime from Andrew Peasley to take the lead 34-31. to This is a huge play from Andrew Peasley. Andrew Peasley is really looking like a great football player. Andrew Peasley is making a lot of people look very silly with their takes that they had over the summer, during fall camp, and during the first couple games. Anyone who doubted Andrew Peasley uh, looks a little bit silly right now because he, he played really well. Um, and this 37-yard pass from Andrew Peasley to Brandon Bowling, great connection and takes the lead. Utah State now leads for the first time behind Andrew Peasley. This is where it really becomes a complete nail-biter. This is where it becomes one of the most uncharacteristic Air Force games I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen an Air Force game that was such a roller coaster. Like I've said before, Air Force does not play this type of game. They do not get into shootouts. They do not get into uh, slugfests like this. They play slow. They take a lead. They sit on it. And at this point, from here on out, it just becomes uh, a completely, with a few exceptions, an offensive show for the rest of the night. Air Force answers back with a 55-yard touchdown run to retake the lead 38-34. to at, at this point, um, 38 to 34 to end the third quarter. Utah State, after finally taking the lead, down four at the quarter, and that four-point deficit starts to look really, really big because suddenly you see this four-point deficit that you can't tie with a field goal, and that blocked kick from earlier really starts to get scary. And so with that, with that in the back of your mind, you come into a fourth quarter, down four, and Air Force says. Four-point deficit, not going to matter. We're going to run in another touchdown, and they do. So it becomes 45-34 Utah State. Suddenly that four-point deficit becomes a 11-point deficit, which was actually a deficit Utah State was very familiar with throughout the game. They were down 13-24. to They were down 20-31. to They were down 34-45, to and it just felt like there was this constant 11-point deficit that we were never going to be able to uh, to overcome. Every time we would, anytime we would break that 11-point deficit, uh, Air Force would put it right back into place. Um, and so this four-point deficit, uh, which was daunting on its own because of, you know because of that blocked kick. Um, so we go down 11 points, and Andrew Peasley to Devin Tompkins. Who else? 72-yard pass from Andrew Peasley to Devin Tompkins. Devin Tompkins, as always, having himself a night, um, but he doesn't score until the fourth quarter. But boy, did he come up big. He scores uh, a touchdown, and then Utah State goes for two. As I've mentioned, this team, this coaching staff, loves to play gritty football. They love to go for uh, uh, gutsy plays. So they, they live for this, and at this point, it's more of a necessity than anything. They go for two. 
How do we do it? Well, how else? Andrew Peasley runs it in. Andrew Peasley has been great on his legs every time we've seen him going back to last year against New Mexico to this year all throughout camp and every game he's gotten into. And of course, Andrew Peasley on his feet, runs it in for two, brings the score 42 to 45. Suddenly you've made up for that blocked kick in the first quarter, in the first half, and you have a three-point game. A field goal can tie the game, send you into overtime. A touchdown wins the game. Air Force gets the ball back, unable to score. And Utah State, here come the Aggies. Calvin Tyler Jr., 61-yard run to take the lead, 49-45, with three and a half minutes to go. Utah State came out in this fourth quarter and just decided not to lose a football game. They came out in this fourth quarter and decided... They wanted to be 3-0, more than Air Force wanted to be 3-0. And so they come out, and Calvin Tyler Jr., who had himself a night, runs for 61 yards, scores a touchdown, extra point is good, 49-45. to As you know, that is the final score of the game, but the game was not over at that point. Air Force gets the ball back, and they were moving. As I said, Air Force seemed to be able to move the ball at will, And this, unfortunately, seemed like one of those times, and it was becoming a scary moment watching Air Force move down the field so easily. But then comes a man whose name we haven't mentioned tonight on the show, Justin Rice. We knew he was going to be big this game, and he was. We knew he was going to have big plays this game, and he did. And boy, did he come up big in the last few minutes of the game to completely stop Air Force's chance of coming back and regaining the lead. Justin Rice forces a fumble, strips the ball on a run. Utah State recovers, and the ball game is over. Like I said, one of the most bizarre games I've ever seen. And what makes it so crazy is that it's hard to explain what makes it so crazy. If you look at the score... 49-45, 49-45, not, you know, nothing really jumps out of you. For the most part, it seemed like a bunch of ordinary plays happening at ordinary times in the game. What made this game, I think, so interesting to watch is the fact that it forced both teams to play a completely different brand of football. If you were to watch just this game, and this was your only frame of reference for both these teams, I think you would have the complete wrong idea of how each of these teams play football. Air Force does not score 45 points. They rarely break 40. Utah State, I don't think they played the game of football that they are are going to be playing for the rest of the year. Utah State's defense has been really good so far, and they will continue to be good. But Air Force really moved the ball really, really well against this Aggie defense. Um, So a very interesting game. Both teams, I think, were coached very well. Um, But at the end, Blake Anderson proved to be, I think, the superior coach in the game as his Aggies find a way to win 49-45 to with uh, a lot of adjustments on the fly and a lot of bold play calling from Coach Anderson and his staff. Let's take a look at some of the the individual players and some of the individual stats, particularly on the Utah State side. And then we'll uh, we'll go ahead and go through some of the scoreboard on the the conference. A huge week for the conference, uh, particularly for Fresno State, who got a big win. We'll talk about that briefly, but I do want to. I want to go over some of the uh, the Utah State players because 
Utah State, you don't score 49 without having a lot of guys on offense just go go nuts. And then, of course, we did have a lot of guys on, on defense. We had an interception and a, a forced fumble uh, from Justin Rice. So Utah State receiving seven different receivers with at least one reception against Air Force. Uh, so like I said last week, Utah State really had to come in here and throw everything at them. And that's that's with five people rushing the ball as well. So Utah State really going deep into the playbook, deep into the depth chart for this one. Uh, the rushing leaders were Calvin Tyler Jr. with 19 carries, 132 yards, and two touchdowns. Two big, big touchdowns from Calvin Tyler Jr., who had a great game. John Gentry, who has looked really good, didn't look quite as good this uh, this week. Uh, six carries for 19 yards, so really only averaging under three and a half yards and didn't find the end zone. Uh, Andrew Peasley actually was the second leading rusher on the team, as he often is when he uh, gets a significant uh, get, gets a significant amount of snaps. He likes to move on his feet a lot. Carried the ball five times for 29 yards. Receiving your receiving leader, of course, was Devin Tompkins. He's probably going to be the receiving leader for a majority, if not all, of the games that he plays in. He's just that good. Nine receptions for 188 yards and a touchdown. For those of you not doing the math at home, Devin Tompkins averaged over 20 yards per reception, which is massive. That is really impressive from Devin Tompkins. Um, caught one touchdown from, from Andrew Peasley, but was catching uh, uh, balls from Logan Bonner and Andrew Peasley. Uh, looking good with both quarterbacks, which is alleviating some of the concerns that people have had with having two quarterbacks. It doesn't seem to be bothering the receiving core, and if it doesn't bother them, it doesn't bother me. And judging by the amount of touchdowns and yards these guys are putting up with two quarterbacks, I think it's safe to assume it doesn't bother them. Uh, Brandon Bowling was the second leading receiver. Uh, he actually had the same amount of receptions as Devin Tompkins, but came just short in, in yards. He had nine receptions for 136 yards and actually had two touchdowns, led the team in receiving touchdowns. Justin McGriff with six receptions for 60 yards and a touchdown. Carson Terrell made his first catch of the year, two receptions for 22 yards and a touchdown. So Carson Terrell coming in and has caught a touchdown on 50% of his receptions so far. John Sturzer with three receptions, 21 yards, no touchdowns. Derek Wright as well, 16 yards, no touchdown. John Gentry also did catch the ball once uh, for a five-yard gain and didn't score on the receiving end either. Now, I want to give a lot of credit to Justin Rice because I'm I'm afraid that Justin Rice might get overshadowed a little bit in this game because the defense gave up 45 points to Air Force. And I'm afraid that the one thing we're going to remember from Justin Rice is his forced fumble at the end of the game to put the game on ice. That was a great play. It's a play that will go down in history books um, in what I think is a program-defining win. That was a program-defining play. However, don't let that play overshadow the rest of his performance he played well the entire game um, which is something we expected from him he played well against air force and the option and when he played against them with fresno we expected him to have a good game we needed him to have a good game and he did and like i said i think in a game where you give up 45 points and 619 total yards to air force it's easy to ignore the defense i don't think we can afford to ignore justin rice uh, in his performance, nine tackles, five assists, leading the game in tackles and assists with one interception, 
leading the game in interceptions as well. And of course, the forced fumble right there at the end. So one interception, one forced fumble. So two turnovers to the name of Justin Rice, along with his nine tackles. And then, of course, we will finish off by looking at the quarterbacks, both of which played really well, which again is not a surprise. We have two of the most talented quarterbacks in the conference. Quite honestly, Andrew Peasley, our backup quarterback, is better than most of the starters in the conference. Maybe not most, but better than, yeah, you know what, better than most. Better than most quarterbacks in the conference, I think. Andrew Peasley would probably start on most teams in this conference, as would, of course, Logan Bonner. I don't envy Blake Anderson's decision. I think Andrew Peasley is making that decision increasingly hard each and every week. So we'll see who gets to start against Boise State. I think it could go either way. I still think it's probably Logan Bonner if he's healthy. But again, just another one of the many benefits of having two quarterbacks that are this good, this talented, and this ready to go. Even if Logan Bonner is a little bit shaky, even if he's not 100%, I want him sitting or at least not playing as much. Give the majority of the snaps to Andrew Peasley and let Logan Bonner get healthy. There's never a reason to put an athlete's safety or health at risk, but there's never, there's not even a reason to in this case because Andrew Peasley is perfectly capable to go out there and run the offense. He brings a different skill set than Logan Bonner, and I would love to see both out there if, if, if Bonner is healthy. But you know what? There's no, no reason to rush Bonner back. I hope he's okay. I think he's probably all right. Like I said, he did return to the game after his big hit. Um, but you know what? If he's if he's sore, if he's not right, there's no reason to put him out there if he's not ready. Um, that being said, he's he's a ridiculously tough kid. He's probably going to be ready on uh, by the time Boise gets to town, which makes that decision difficult. It really does. Uh, I think it's still probably Bonner. That's the way it's kind of been going. But I think Peasley's earning more and more snaps, and he's really earning the trust of, of the coaching staff, of course, but also the fans, which doesn't matter at all, and his other players, which does matter. So he's earning the trust of everybody that matters and even those that don't. So great for Peasley. I'm really happy that he was able uh, to come in and play such a good game. Aggie fans really need to appreciate Andrew Peasley. This is a game we wouldn't have won without Andrew Peasley, uh, quite frankly. The same could probably be said of of the first two games, possibly. Uh, Logan Bonner played a more significant role in each of those games, obviously. But this is not a game that we win without Andrew Peasley. And I, I really hope Aggie fans are appreciating him as the backup or the starter, whatever role he's in. Uh, because his, his ability to just say, yes, coach, and go in and do whatever he needs to do to win games has been phenomenal. And we should appreciate that. Um, but yeah, he, he had a great game. Let's take a look at the numbers. We'll start with Logan Bonner because he did get the start. He was uh, 21 for 34 with 253 yards through for two touchdowns. Logan Bonner did throw an interception before he went out. Um, Andrew Peasley stepped in, went 10 for 15 for 195 yards, threw for three touchdowns, and did not throw an interception. Peasley also ran in a two-point conversion with his legs. Uh, which isn't really going to show up anywhere in the box score uh, unless you dig a little bit deeper, uh, but definitely something to keep in mind there as well. So Logan Bonner getting more more yards uh, in the air than Andrew Peasley did, 253 to 195. He also got um, more completions on more attempts with his 21 of 34, which is more than Andrew Peasley's 10 of 15. But Andrew Peasley threw three touchdowns over Logan Bonner's two and Andrew Peasley didn't throw an interception where Logan Bonner did. That's a tough decision, but if it's not broke, don't fix it. 
I think you can just run the same system that you have been running. If Bonner's healthy, have him start. Put Peasley in probably more than you were planning on before because he's earning it. But I think both quarterbacks are doing a lot of good for this team. They both run the offense in a different way. And you know what? You can't argue with 49 points and a win. Uh, You can't argue with five touchdowns in the air and 629 total yards. You can't argue with that. You can't argue with results. So you know what? If it's working, keep going. Um, I like I like the Logan Bonner start, and I like Andrew Peasley getting significant time. We threw for 448 passing yards. You can't argue with that. It doesn't matter who was under center and who was playing slightly better in one category where the other player was playing slightly better in another category. If you're throwing for 448 passing yards, you're doing something right. If you're getting 228 total yards, you're doing something right. If you're getting 26 first downs, if you're getting if you're being efficient on fourth downs, if you're not punting very often, if you're scoring touchdowns, if you're winning games, if you're scoring 49 points, you can't argue with it. Whatever the Aggies are doing, it's working. I love it. I want to see more of it. And we're going to see more of it on on Saturday, 10 a.m. kickoff against the Boise State Broncos. And we're going, to, we're going to talk about them here in a second when we talk about the Mountain West scoreboard. That might be a game that we uh, we might not know what to expect against that Boise State Broncos team. And, of course, we're going to talk about it a lot more here on Thursday um, for our Thursday show looking forward at the at, at next weekend. But needless to say, I'm fired up for it. I'm excited. I'm excited to be back at the Mav. Two of our three games have been on the road, and I'm excited to be back in the Mav. The first game was an electric experience. It was a an amazing experience, a beautiful night, and I'm excited to have a, another game, another home game, and get that get that map packed. I'm excited to see the students and everybody, everybody there. Let's take a look at the conference and everything else going on. Uh, we'll take a quick look at the AP poll as well. So here are the scores from Week Three. Uh, USU obviously beating Air Force 49 to 45. We've talked about that extensively. Texas A&M, no surprise, beats New Mexico. They beat them 34-0. New Mexico unable to get on the board. Uh, Wyoming was able to beat Ball State, like we talked about. Ball State should be a pretty good team. They beat them 45-12, big win for the Wyoming Cowpokes. Colorado State bounced back, uh, got their first win of the season, and uh, did so in a pretty convincing fashion. 22-6 against the Toledo Rockets. San Diego State comes up big with a Pac-12 win against the University of Utah in LA. 33-31 in a triple overtime game. Huge win for the Aztecs. Great game by the the Aztecs to beat the Pac-12 Utes, um, who are no longer ranked, haven't been since last week, and will certainly not be, uh, at least for a long time, Thanks in part to our our San Diego State Aztecs. Boise State loses a close one to the Oklahoma State Cowboys. 20-21. No scoring in the second half at all. A really interesting game there um, between the Broncos and Cowboys. Oklahoma State ultimately getting the the upper hand against Boise. 21-20. Iowa State again in a non-surprising game. Blew out the UNLV Rebels 48-3. San Jose beat Hawaii in a not-so-convincing game, 17-13 for San Jose. Again, the defending champions. It's still really hard to get a read on that team. I don't know what to expect from them. We do play them. They're on our schedule. We'll be playing them in San Jose later this year. Um, Beginning the win against 17-13 Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii is not projected to be a very good team, uh, so you would have expected, I think, that score to be a little bit... um, 
uh, higher for San Jose. Uh, so still kind of reading uh, San Jose, seeing what seeing what they're all about. Um, here's the big game of the week. The Fresno State Bulldogs over the UCLA Bruins. UCLA was ranked 13th in the country at the time. Fresno gets the upset win, 40-37, to um, thanks in part to a 14-point fourth quarter to uh, to put away the Bruins. This was a huge win for the conference, and this game, in addition to San Diego State beating Utah, is significant because that actually marks the 14th win against the Pac-12 from the Mountain West in the past 25 head-to-head matchups. In those past 25 matchups, the Mountain West is 14-11 and 11 against the Pac-12. So a couple significant games this week. Utah State helping to contribute to that week one when we beat Washington State. 14-11 and 11 against the Pac-12. That's pretty, that's pretty big. It's good news for the conference and two of those wins coming this week with San Diego and Fresno State. Um, Fresno State with, like I said, a big time, big time win against uh, UCLA. Big time comeback, come from behind victory, uh, which really makes the makes the conference look good. Um, great win for the conference, and the added bonus to Fresno State being so good this year is that we don't have to play them in the regular season. We might hopefully meet them in the Mountain West Championship game. But they are not on our regular season schedule. Um, neither is Nevada, which I think we we kind of lucked out against as well. Um, speaking of Nevada, I somehow missed their score. They lost to Kansas State 17-38. I was really hoping uh, Nevada could get in there and win that game. They were unable to do so. So, with Nevada losing and Fresno beating UCLA... UCLA wins the race to the top 25 in the Mountain West as they land at the 22 spot. The team they beat actually remains in the top 25, drops to 24. So the 3-1 Fresno State Bulldogs find their way into the top 25 and are the first Mountain West team to do so this year. Uh, First, hopefully, of at least a few if some of these teams continue to win and look good. Nevada, obviously, with their loss, has fallen. They are no longer receiving any votes at all. Nevada's a great team. They could find their way back in there. Uh, I think there's still a chance for them to be uh, you know, ranked in the top 25 and to receive some national acclaim. And We'll see what happens, though. They're going to have to bounce back first. Um, again, lucky that we don't play Nevada. Uh, I think they're a great football team. So the Mountain West gets one team in the top 25 in Fresno State, a well-deserved Fresno State, I might add. But in addition to that, we do have two teams receiving votes. The first, San Diego State, the Aztecs, beating the Pac-12 Utes. San Diego State receiving votes tells me that the Utes are still a nationally respected program. Time will tell if that win is a big win for San Diego State. Well, it's 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 a big win regardless. Time will tell if it's a quality win. Um, San Diego State, that's their second back-to-back Pac-12 win. So definitely some gaining some notoriety there. And they're, and they're 3-0. So being 3-0 is a great feeling, as we now know, in um, as Utah State fans for the first time since 1978, actually. Um, the other team receiving votes in the top 25, or should I say vote, as in one vote, might surprise you. No, it's not Utah State. It's Wyoming. Wyoming somehow getting one vote. I got to say, I'm a little bit surprised. I'm happy for the Cowpokes. We play them later. I want them to be good. I get that they're 3-0. and 
but I'm not sure how they're getting a vote. I didn't expect Utah State to get a vote, and I wasn't upset that we didn't until I saw Wyoming was receiving one. I personally think that vote should belong to us. I'm not sure what Wyoming has done that we haven't. They're 3-0, which is great, but so are we. Their first week, I, I think week one, we had a better win. Week two, we had a better win. And week three, we had a better win. Week one, Wyoming barely skated by against Montana State. Utah State went in and beat a Pac-12 team in the Washington State Cougars. Week two, Wyoming barely beat Northern Illinois by one touchdown. That game was on the road compared to Utah State beating North Dakota um, at home, which I, I guess week two, uh, Wyoming could have had probably a better win than, than Utah State. Um, but then week three, Wyoming playing Ball State at home, a big win, 45-12 to 12 is a big win, um, but I think Utah State's road win against Air Force is far more impressive. So good for Wyoming. I'm glad that they're receiving national recognition. I personally think it should have been Utah State, but hey, if Utah State keeps winning, people are going to have to start paying attention at some point. Um, and quite honestly, the more ranked teams in the conference and the more ranked teams on the schedule for Utah State, the better. Um, so hopefully San Diego State can continue to win, uh, find their way into the top 25. Hopefully Nevada can bounce back, find their way into the top 25. And you know what? If if Wyoming gets into the top 25, great, um, because we play them and hopefully we can beat them later on in the season. And, and of course, it would be great if Utah State could get into the top 25 as well. That's something that we always, always want. Speaking of top 25 teams on the schedule, after Boise State, we will be in Logan uh, and host BYU, the Cougars. They beat Arizona State, and jumped up to 15. Uh, if they continue to win when we host them, they, we should have a pretty high-ranked team in Logan. Um, and that's going to be, that should be a fun one as well. So that is all I have for you today. Make sure you come back on Thursday. A huge game coming up on Saturday against the Boise State Broncos. We've talked about it before. This Air Force game was so important because it kind of determines how important the next games are. We won against Air Force. That means this Boise State game gets very, very important. We're playing a beatable Boise State team, and we are on a roll. We are 3-0 for the first time since 1978. If that isn't enough to make you want to buy tickets, I don't know what will be. So just buy tickets, be there, and be there on time. Please, 10 a.m. is not that early. Be there on time, be loud, all game. Uh, we got to get this win against the Broncos. Come back on Thursday to hear all about it. Um, thanks for listening, and go Aggies.